Welcome to the Jack and John Podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Well, you know, I'm getting ready to, as we're recording this, um, this next Saturday, which is going to be the Saturday before Easter, um, I'm taking a, a team down to the Madison Correctional Facility and we're going to lead the music for a, a worship service down there. And this morning, as I was reading my, my scripture, and there's nothing fancy about this, I use the Bible Gateway app, and every morning when I wake up, you know, my alarm's on my phone, so I turn off my alarm, and then I touch the app, and the first thing I do is read whatever the verse of the day is that pops up. And it's that one in, in Hebrews 12 everybody knows about that, you know, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great right. cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight, weight and sin that so easily entangles and run, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Okay. Well, I I click on the chapter, I start reading, I read through it, and then I see some stuff that I've highlighted already in that down down the way, and I, and I just keep reading. And I get into uh, chapter 13, and I just want to read this, this little verse, because it struck me in the context of getting ready to go to the women's prison in Madison. Um, this is Hebrews 13 and verse 3. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. And um, Jack and I were just talking about this before we, we started because um, sometimes it, it's, it's easy to see other people maybe differently than we should. Um, and sometimes it's hard to love people. We've talked about this stuff before because, I mean, this is an ongoing thing theme in our lives. Uh, I wish it was a, hey, oh, we fixed that problem. I can love people now. What about you, Jack? Can you, <laughs> you know, I just wish, I wish that that was a thing that was fixed and just let's go on. But I think we're kind of like the disciples in that sense of, you know, always falling back into just the dumb stuff we do. Okay. So I'm going to brag on Jack for a minute here. Okay. Cause Jack, Jack is, I think finally coming to terms with the fact that he's done a lot of stuff in his life and a lot of story worthy stuff that kind of needs to be remembered and passed on. And so he's working on just writing some of these things down, some of its stories, some of its thoughts. And he read this stuff to me and I told him, I said, I'm going to make you read that. I'm going to make you read that on the podcast, on the podcast. Okay. Um, because we're talking about loving people and I, you know, I'll let you give whatever other segue you want for that. And then you read your stuff. Okay. Well, I know when I, you know, when I was young, it was like, uh, go visit people in prison. Uh, I don't like people in prison. They deserve <laughs> to be in prison. You know, uh -huh. they, they're, they're getting the just desserts of their life. And, you know, you get all these thoughts. You're a little older and you realize that you didn't get the just desserts of yours because of the grace of God or whatever mm. reason. You know, we've all done whatever and don't des and deserve to receive the judgment that we should. But we always talk about the grace of God. But, you know, it's one thing for God to give grace. And it's one thing for me to give grace. And so... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's just sometimes confusing. Sometimes it's um, just difficult, difficult. 
uh, to really love people. Think about it, especially when people do unlovely things to try to separate the things they do with the person that they are. And so I decided I would uh, sit down and begin to write the things that have motivated me uh, to be a pastor and to continue on and not to not to give up, but to persevere and uh, just say all the things that I love. Like uh, I started with, I love people. That was my beginning sentence. And then I was going to go, I love the word of God and, you know, those kinds of things. And then I was going to give all my reasons. And as I wrote, I'll read you what I wrote and where I went after writing the very brief, wonderful sentence. I have always loved people. Here's where that went, my twisted mind. I think that was the impetus for becoming a minister. Now, when I say that, I confess that my love is not a perfect love like that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people just fire me up. And in parentheses, I wrote, I know I still need to grow a bit. Yet when I see so much rebellion and anger and hatred and intolerance, I wonder why Jesus died for all. And why did he command me to love my enemies? It seems that the unbelievers today want to see the demise of anything good. One can only wonder if we have finally become, quote, as it was in the days of Noah, when God sent a flood. It's only by his grace that he has not yet sent his son. I mean, the second time to end it all. It makes me sad that the brokenness of this world and the many reasons it is broken exist. The people of God must bear some responsibility. We have been given everything we need for life and godliness. We've been given power in the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. We've been given the promises of God. We've been given so much, and yet we have done so little. The loudest voices that claim to be children of God sometimes scream the fact that they have all of this and more. And yet, um, instead of loving the world the way Jesus did, they love it as their God. And I thought this was cute. And they want to get all of it that they can. Mm -hmm. So they're enemies of God and they don't even know it because the Bible says you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve two masters. My reason for writing this is to help myself think with the mind of Christ. I love people and I cannot be like the ones who stir negative emotions in me that lead to hate, disgust, and judgment. If so, I would be no different than them. So I want to discipline myself to pray and commit to surrender to complete obedience to Christ my Lord so that God's will is done in me. I may have to sweat drops of blood to get there. Jesus invites everyone to come to him, even those who have more annoying traits than winsome. He is full of grace and truth, and he genuinely loves people, period. Amen. So that's where that started. (laughs) That's great. You know who Alistair Begg is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, What is it? Truth for Life. Mm -hmm. That's his, his organization. Um, he had a, a, a talk about the, the man on the middle cross mm-hmm. and, uh, 
it's just fascinating because uh, he uses it to kind of mock and challenge some theologians, you know, because all these people have these doctrines and beliefs about, you know, what do you need to do to earn your salvation or what do you need to do like to, to, to be saved? And the, the reality of it is it always comes down to how Jesus looks at you. It comes down to the fact that he sees you for who he made you to be. He sees your potential. He sees, he sees that unrefined gold that's in there, okay? If you think of him as the refiner and you have pure gold in there and he wants to refine that, well, he doesn't see all of the the dross and the dirt that's caked on that nugget. He just sees the gold. He sees you for who you really are and what your real worth is. And I think for us to be able to see that too. But in that example that he talks about, um, he says, just imagine, you know, with all these theologies and things that people say, and what do you have to do to get to heaven? Um, Imagine the thief on the cross shows up at the pearly gates and they said, um, why, why should we let you in here? And um, he said, what, what, what do you believe? You know, and have you followed this doctrine? Can you recite the Apostles' Creed? You know, were you baptized? Um, all these things. And he says, so when they asked him, he says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of like the blind man that said, "Sinner or not, I don't know. I just yeah. know I can see." Well, but if you think about it, you know we don't see anything valuable about valuable about that guy. I mean, he's a thief who's getting a punishment that, what at least the government at the time thought he deserved. He didn't go to Bible study. He didn't. He wasn't like a member of the. Yeah, it was you know, kind of difficult. Yeah, he was the, kind of hindered to go. <laughs> well, but but I'm saying, you know, there's no it doesn't give us any history of, you know, what was this guy's life. It just gives you the moment that he put his trust in the right person. Mm-hmm. He believed in Jesus um, in that mm-hmm. moment. And bottom line is Jesus is what saves us. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, one of the things that he does is that like you're here in Hebrew 13 and he entreats us to do some things uh, for the good, I think, maybe of of ourselves uh, as a sacrifice, he says, of praise, uh, that we should do these kinds of things to um, uh, to just I don't know why, why to, to be more like him, maybe to remember those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. So um, remember those who are in prison as if you were in there with them. Have compassion. I I think there's a lot of people who come to Christ and maybe, I don't know, maybe they've been given this this idea and you come to Christ and then, okay, you don't have to do anything. And I'm not saying have to do anything, but you don't do anything now until it's time to go to heaven. But I think Jesus has a desire for us, don't you? I mean, sure. like what what you do and your compassion and your love compels you to um, minister the love of Jesus into this world. And that was what I was talking about when I said maybe some Christians have some of the responsibility to bear. Maybe we right. haven't been been verbal enough. Not 
It's not that I have to work for my salvation, but it's because I have my salvation that I, you know, should then uh, follow Christ and and obey His commands as He has given them to me right. because of who I am. Right. So I don't know how to how to maybe teach that or describe that in a way that you know you don't demean grace, you know, and the free gift of God, but you also don't give people the idea that. Uh, there isn't a lifestyle that we need to to also live so that we can honor Christ and lift him up and win others to him. That's kind of, I don't think Jesus counted decisions as much as he counted disciples. Mm -hmm. You know, in other words, um, sometimes he would thin the ranks because he wanted people that would follow him and uh, follow him maybe, you think, for the right reason? Yeah, part of it is the motivation. You know, yeah. why are you here? Why, 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 why did you come? You know, did you come just for the miracles? Mm-hmm. You know, um, did you come just because you're curious? Did you come because there was something special going on here and you thought it might change your life? Um, and, and I think that there are little hints in the scripture where I, I feel like he was sort of feeling that emotionally um, because, you know, everybody wants to be accepted. And I think Jesus is kind of included in that. He wants to be accepted, especially by the people that he he's created, you know, because he created us as objects of his love mm-hmm. and to be loved. You know, it's like nobody has a baby hoping that that kid's just going to ignore them, not pay any attention to them. They want a child so they can love the child and so that love can be reciprocated, mm-hmm. you know. And you raise that child by loving them and they learn to reciprocate that love. Um I have a young man that uh, I was discipling when I was in Kansas before I retired, along with several other young men. It was one of the things I really enjoyed doing. And he called me yesterday. And, oh, uh, yeah. Just yesterday? Just yesterday. And he has um, been the young man that will call me from time to time. And every mm-hmm. time he calls me, he wants to talk on the phone once a week so that I can kind of uh, help disciple him again because what happens in his life is he has three sons and they, you know, he's got a elementary school and then down, you know, a little younger and then a, like a two-year-old. And so he's busy and he's working, trying to, you know, take care of his family. Um, they get so busy that they, they slip and going to, to church service again. And so then he gets to the place where, and I would describe it this way, um, it's a slow fade, Mm -hmm. you know, without the companionship, without the fellowship, without. And so then he starts feeling guilty, which is a no, don't do that, you know, but he starts feeling guilty for it. So then he wants to kind of reset a little bit. And uh, it's that um, desire within us that comes from our love and relationship with Christ that entreats us to follow him, to worship him, to gather around us friends, men that will hold us accountable, you know, that will, um, you know, because it's, it, it's, it's just hard in, in this world for a lot of young families, young families, for all of us, even for me, to get into the Word on a regular basis, to stay where I need to be, mm-hmm. uh, to make me the kind of person that 
um, doesn't get cynical and doesn't get mean-spirited and doesn't also express the anger toward the things that I don't like in the world that everybody else is screaming and you can't hear anybody. And I don't know, brother. I just think that Jesus was the one that didn't scream. You know, he was the one that was silent and his his uh, actions were so powerful and so loud that a guy on the right cross or the, whichever one this guy was on or the left mm-hmm. cross heard him through seeing him that he was something very, very special. As a matter of fact, that he was the son of God because it takes belief that Jesus Christ is mm-hmm. the son of God. Get in heaven, that was his confession. And I think that's what got him into heaven. It's not going to be a test when you get there. There's one question. Why should I let you in? Because Jesus Christ, my Lord, Savior, that's it. So I don't know. It's a, it's a hard, hard existence. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Sit down and write it down, how you feel. And what you'll do is you'll look at that and you'll go, boy, I shouldn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I should change. I think we kind of need to do that, not just in terms of an exercise of, of writing it down, but sometimes I think we need to do that in short little snippets in terms of just how we're acting, how we're thinking, yeah. you know, through the day. Because, you know, there are things that just come out of my mouth while I'm driving in the car by myself that, um, well, I would not say it to a, a person's face you know and sometimes I get caught because my wife will be in the car with me when I say it and uh, she'll confront me about you know talking down to the other driver for several reasons one he can't hear you I'm the only one that hears you um, and <laughs> and John I'm, I'm gonna and I'm, he's probably not really an idiot <laughs> <laughs> Mike will get a kick out of this thought. I, th- I think I'm going to take up golf, but I'm going to play it differently. Okay, wait a minute. You, you, you uh, haven't no. given me a chance. I'm going to pray it, play it differently. Differently. I'm going to pray it like the Christian life. Okay. okay. In other words, I'm going to say mulligans are grace. Okay. Is there you go. a bad shot? Yeah. I, I'm going to take. I'm going to say, oh, I I need grace on that I one. I need I'm grace. Take, I'll take a mulligan. Yeah. There you and go. so my round of golf will be as many mulligans as I want, and they don't count against me. Yeah. Well, that would be good. It would be great unless you got people behind you <laughs> wanting to play through. Getting 27 shots. I'll have to uh, go out really, really early. That's why I'm so terrible with golf. I, I get, I, I'm bad and then I get worse if there's people behind me. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm always the guy that's like, no, 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 go ahead and play through it. Well, there's 12 of us. I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. Just go, go ahead. It's all good. Um, no, I, I do it doesn't think work, it doesn't work perfectly, but it was just 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 no, no. <laughs> but but that's life. It is life. Uh, we, we talked about this thing before about, you know, how is it that you do the good works or whatever? Well, it's not because you're thinking about good works. It's not it because be you're thinking. It should be who we are. I think. Right. Yeah. It should be an outpouring of who, who you are. are. And it shouldn't be like, a, oh, my gosh, I've got to do this thing. You know, uh, and it, and it's. To me, that comes down to prioritizing, you know, and thinking about what's important. Um, I'm not talking about this thing of going to the prison because I'm trying to puff myself up or or make it sound like I'm doing something special. Uh, I'm just not, okay? Um, I really believe that um, the way you do stuff like that 
is is kind of what this verse is saying. You have to live like you're the one in prison. Mm. Um, and one of the things I've said when I've spoken to the prisoners before is um, that there's no greater equalizer than the foot of the cross because we're all guilty. Uh, we're all prisoners to sin. Um, none of us is perfect and none of us is going to buy our way into salvation or cheat our way into salvation or do anything amazing to get our way into salvation. No, we get it through Jesus. Um, and he is, he's our bread of life. He's who we should desire and what we want to feast upon because, yeah, I want to be like the guy who can look at me and not see all my flaws. The guy who can look at the thief on the cross and see beyond all the stuff that that guy's done wrong in his life that he would be here taking on the death penalty, mm -hmm. you know? Well, I found that you'll find different kinds of people in jail. Well, this is uh, true. I've had a couple of different uh, jail ministries, depending on the ministry that I was at at the time. When I was in Kansas, there was a young man that I went to see and developed a relationship over about two years that he was in prison. And it was a... Um, uh, an internet crime. He was on a, uh, I, don't, I don't even understand this, but a website where you can talk to people, you know, and he was talking, he thought to a young girl. Oh, no. And he was talking to policemen and the girl happened to be a 16-year-old. He never saw her, never was in contact with her physically, but he was charged with, with rape. Oh. And convicted It was in prison. And it was like somebody threw the book at him, you know, because I don't know. But yeah, it was really strange. But what happened to him was he met a man in prison who knew the Lord and, and had a, um, a very good understanding of the word and taught him. And then I would come in on Saturday because that was a visiting hour. And I would come in on, because after four or five, six tries, they would never give me my minister's pass in. Yeah, that was a funny thing. But anyway, so I was just a regular visitor, but I would come every week and I would kind of bolster what he was learning from his his inmate there from the Word of God. And he really grew in his understanding of the Word and in his desire to accept Christ as Savior. So sometimes prison is a place that you can be so low and it's so hard and so difficult that it you, you knock flat on your back. The only place you can look is up. And I think it's um, a real blessing to be that person, maybe that when they look up, that they see so that then you can speak to them about the hope that they have in Jesus Christ and the freedom that they can experience, even if they're in prison behind bars. And by the way, that's a scary thing. I remember one time going to Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary to, you know, to do a concert and sing. And when they close those iron bar doors behind you. And I knew I was even getting out that day. It's still an eerie sound. Oh, yeah. And a scary thing. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember when we interviewed Justin White and, uh, you know, the title of that one's Jesus in Prison, if you're looking it up. But Justin um, talked about kind of what you were saying about getting to that place when you're in prison, that first of all, um, all of the people he'd been blaming for him winding up there, he realized none of them are in prison. 
This is just, <laughs> it's just, it's just me. And so he started to realize that he needed to blame himself. He needed, yeah. to, he needed to put the take, blame. Take the weight yeah, of take the responsibility. responsibility. Right. But he also said that in, in doing that and in get, getting closer to God and in, you know, finding other people in, in prison that he could connect with and, and talk about Jesus with, that kind of thing, he got to a point where he felt more free in prison than he'd ever felt in his life. Do you remember him saying that? I do. Yeah. I do. Very, very impressive. Yeah. Very, very, very And uh, very boy, that really speaks... To, to me, um, so well, you know, depending upon where you are spiritually and where you are, I guess emotionally, uh, you can be in the midst of a crowd and feel all alone. Right. You know, you can uh, be all by yourself and feel a fellowship. Right. With with the Lord and with you know fellow Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah. So it's very important, I think, that we minister to one another. And that's what it's saying here. You know, you have to have compassion. Because right. I think that speaks of compassion when you read, uh, you know, that third verse. Remember those in prison as though in, you were in prison with them. Mm-hmm. And remember those who are mistreated since you also uh, are in the body. Um, in other words, that's empathy. That's compassion. Right. Feeling their hurt feeling their pain instead of being judgmental about where they are. Because uh, I got to tell you, you know, if you have a family member, a son or a daughter, something goes to prison, it, it's a whole new ball game, right? Oh, yeah. You know, so we can't make blanket judgments right. over certain people. And I would suppose in this time, there are going to be a lot of Christians that are going to be in prison here because of their Christian faith. And that's an interesting situation as well. Um, so we need to have compassion yeah. and empathy on people that we don't know. And rather than be swift to judgment, be slow to judgment right. and be quick to ministering and out of compassion. Well, one of the things I would just like to leave everybody with on this is, you know, when we're talking about loving God and loving people, um, it's, it's about getting out of ourselves um, and focusing on, on Christ and on his creation, which is other people. You don't have to do anything fancy. I mean, you don't have to go on a mission trip or go to a, a mission field or um, go to a prison. Um, because here's the thing. Everybody needs empathy. Right. Because everybody's got someone, something going on. And that person might not be in a physical prison, but you know, they might be in prison in their thoughts, or they might be imprisoned by their stress or their finances. Or anxiety. Right. Worry. Right. And sometimes it's just being a friend. I mean, Jesus, in, in those hard moments, he didn't go up to people and start thumping them with scripture unless they were a Pharisee and then he'd pound them over the head with it. But he'd go up and be a friend. And that's how it starts. So we just gotta love people. We start right. by being a friend. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we love you. We love that, that you put up with us. And uh, we just hope that you know you get some little nugget of truth out of what we say that, that helps you focus on Christ. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.